This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Tiffany Chan for the first time. Welcome to the Phantom Electric Ghost podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Want to let people know we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can see that icon up there that says Listen on Newsly. And for our um, guests or, or listeners, if they use coupon code GHOST, they can get one month free premium subscription so they can stop scrolling and start listening this podcast will be on newsly later today as an audio only podcast uh, as well as many other platforms that we're on so again uh welcome to the podcast thank you thank you super excited and this episode is actually episode 900 oh thank you we're at episode 975 we're getting closer to episode 1000 We've been um, on the air since 2016. That's tracking on Apple Podcast. And uh, this episode, we're going to talk about uh, leading um, with intuition. If I can get that up. It's being a little slow. There we go. Leading with intuition, trusting your inner wisdom. And then we also, we have your your website up. And that will be fully clickable, that URL, when we're published on all the platforms. But... For those of you who are on audio, that's uh, www.tiffanymchan.com, and then it has a forward slash work with me, forward slash um, pound apply. And maybe you can tell people what would happen if they click on that. Uh, yeah, there it brings you to an application um, to hear a little bit more about who you, your background, um, why you're interested in having a spiritual advisor working with you. And then we'll hop on a call and just see if we're a good fit and we'll take it from there. That's great. We like to uh, encourage our, our audience to click through on the URLs because that will give you more deep dive on what the conversation is going to be about. Uh, again, uh, we're going to get into this episode. And um, one of the first things I wanted to ask is what inspired you to become a spiritual advisor? So um, I came through this journey through a pretty securitous route. Um, basically, I had graduated from undergrad, was a poli-sci major, had worked in policy, was living and working in D.C. for a while, uh, subsequently got my business degree, ended up going to uh, Geneva and was working at the World Economic Forum. So my entire career, I've largely been working with leaders who are influencing global systems, who are making policy, who are doing, um, making like decisions that are moving on the dial that affect normal people like you and me. Um, but the fact of the matter was, was that I was incredibly unhappy. And I think that many people have had a very similar journey where you go, you walk the steps, you climb the ladder, you do everything that is both expected of you. And frankly, that you do well, because a lot of people are very naturally gifted, but it's not necessarily really like deep, intrinsic aligned with like who I was. Um, and what had happened was that I was living and working in Johannesburg um, and my mom had called me up and as moms do, uh, she was being, uh, sort of, uh, lovingly annoying. Let me put it that way. And she said to me, Tiffany, have you, um, found a home yet? Have you found like a church that you can be able to settle in and, uh, be able to feel like you're being spiritually supported? And I just rolled my eyes. I was like, Ma, I don't have time for this. <laughs> you know, like, I, like, do you have any idea what I'm doing, who I'm interacting with, the things, the things that are like looking really pretty on paper? Like, I'm, I'm an important person. I'm doing important things in the world. And I'm like chumming it up with important people. Who has time for this spirituality kind of like religious stuff? And I was just like, whatever, Mom. Um, but the conversation had stuck with me. And what had happened was that um, I was on my way to the US consulate and I was just recalling the conversation that I had with my mom. And I prayed to God in a way that I had never prayed before. And I said, God, I just wanna be able to know you. I just wanna be able to talk to you like you're my friend. 
didn't think anything of it. I went into the consulate. I did my business. I came back out. Next thing you know, um, I'm a pedestrian crossing one of the busiest intersections in downtown Joburg. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a white car rotating through the air coming towards me. And it was just oh, one wow. of those W. Yeah, it was one of those WTF slash matrixy moments where time and space just slow down. And, you know, my first reaction was like, huh. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> my second reaction was like, I wonder what's going to happen here. Um, by the grace of God, by a miracle, I was not injured. Um, I like to say that it was just one of those moments where either I was pulled back or uh, stepped out ever so slightly, but the car like barely missed me. Um, ended up uh, hitting a woman to my left who suffered really traumatic injuries, but thankfully is still alive. Um, but that, that, that moment in time was a critical choice point and also like a very pivotal moment for me because it was almost as if uh, it was an answer to prayer. Um, I say that because I don't think that normal people would want to invite traumatic experiences into their lives, but often when I've found talking to people is that painful moments are actually invitations for personal transformation, for spiritual evolution, for soul transformation. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I was basically broken open. It was almost as if that uh, shocking experience awoke me and had me begin to ask those bigger questions. And because I didn't necessarily have a, I had like all the accolades, I had all like the pretty credentialing um, that one would want to see on a CV, on a bright and shiny CV, but I didn't necessarily have a solid foundation from which to build from. So when I started to, when I encountered the accident and it was quite a shocking accident, I just started to fracture and crumble. Um, and so basic things like was afraid to cross the street. I had to learn how to drive again. I was afraid of the dark. I was a very intrepid globetrotter. Um, I couldn't do any of that. I basically was catatonic and sitting alone in my room and just suffering from PTSD. Um, and I basically said to God, okay, so you've got my attention. I don't know what happened, but I know that that accident was in some strange way in answer to that prayer, and you've got my attention. And so from here, I'll give you three months because anything can be solved in a quarter, and I'm just going to give you three months, and I'll project manage my way through spirituality. And I'm going to get to know you just enough, just enough that I've got this spirituality thing down and then I can pivot back to my old life because I want my old life back. I want my old life back. And as you can imagine, that uh, didn't happen. I mean, that three month yeah. <laughs> uh, like search essentially opened up all these other avenues, you know, began to ask myself questions of like, what's important for me? Do I believe that there's a God? What's the purpose of life? And as one starts on this, you know, journey of evolution, you can't help but go deeper, deeper, deeper and want to um, be able to expand more because, you know, there's a sensation of like true growth and meaning when you're asking those truly meaningful questions. So going back to your original question of like, what inspired me to be a spiritual advisor? Um, you know, it's something that I both like literally fell into and that I allowed myself to be broken open so that I could actually receive the love and the transformation to the point where I now guide others who are in similar circumstances to be able to walk the path and I guide them um, and essentially like provide safe space to know that they're not alone and to provide context because the spiritual journey and the process of transformation can be quite sticky. Um, but I serve at the yeah, highest levels. Just go ahead. Um, yeah, I serve at the highest no, I levels think like I like had before. Yeah. Please go well, ahead. Well, I think what, yeah, well, I think the one of the things I've, I've experienced with a lot of people on the podcast 
as people go through these crucible moments and they kind of self-actualize or they get beyond where they maybe had had a ceiling where they felt like, like you said, they weren't satisfied that they had created like a ceiling for themselves. It really wasn't something that other people imposed. They kind of created their own. And some people feel like, Oh, I, I should do this nine to five. I should be in this profession as a lawyer or a doctor or some of the high level profession. Then they find out that they really were feeling something more spiritual or something more creative or more artistic than maybe wasn't what everybody expected them to do, or even their, their own expectations of what a professional should do in the world. And a lot of times we're told that to, to, to dream about things that are more spiritual or more creative is not logical, right? It's not what's on your CV. It's not, it's not, it's not that type of thing. And so it's like, I, I think one of the things I find is that uh, when you reach that moment, things become very expansive. You, you can't yeah. really, like you said, you're going to put like a quarter time frame on it, but the, it's kind of like an, a never ending journey. Like as a, yeah. as a musician, it's a never ending thing until I, you know, until I'm done and on the planet, I'm always exploring and it never find a, a, like an end to it. It just keeps on going. Yeah. It's like this creative thing where you feel the muse you feel the universe, you feel your interior, it's very kind of connected aspect of, of creativity. If you think about there's a muse, there's the universal feelings that you, as a musician, want to connect with the, the audience. And it's a, it's a spiritual type of thing when you're really into it. Um, so I, I can understand, like, when you had this awakening, it's very significant. To, to feel that. And, and it doesn't always have to come from trauma, but sometimes it seems to. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, trauma has a way of getting our attention. And we tend to be quite a complacent uh, species. <laughs> and one of the most powerful questions that you can ever ask yourself is, what do I want? You know, I don't think that we give us enough spaciousness to be able to luxuriate in that question even like putting the ear quotes on on that and saying like oh even asking a question is like what do you want as basic as that and saying that's luxurious that's actually in my view um the way that spirit speaks to you you know spirit speaks to us through our desires our longings our dreams and when we allow ourselves to slow down and to tune in and to really think about like and to feel into what is it that I actually want, that's actually the path that we're being guided towards. Not necessarily what everyone else is saying, but where our heart and our soul is actually guiding us to the highest potential that we're here to actualize in this earth. Yeah, I feel as a, as a creative, I've talked to a lot of authors and painters and musicians, and they kind of get in this flow state where you, you're less logical and you, you get into like, basically I, I get into this idea of just stream of consciousness creation. And a lot of times you can plan things as an artist, you could plan something. But what I found with a lot of artists is when you go into the flow state and you go into that stream of consciousness, you kind of trust yourself. You trust what you can do and you don't think about it kind of like riding a bike. You can't, you just, you just know how to do it and you don't overthink it. You just kind of are in it. And when you're in that kind of creative zone, it becomes very powerful. I find it very therapeutic. And I've talked to a lot of artists yeah. that feel that it's very therapeutic to be in touch with this thing that you're not trying to overthink it. And I think that's when you get into spirituality. Sometimes it's like, you know, being able to meditate or, you know, slow down and breathe and think about, what they to contemplate the world is it's not necessarily something that you're going to find facts or find laws or find theorems or find algorithms. It's going to be something you have to trust in and have to believe in and have to have it's, it's a different level of, 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 of being. And a lot, yeah. a lot of times like people are scared of it. I think a lot of people are, are fearful of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying. There comes a, whether or not you call it flow, you can see it on the basketball court or through artists and musicians, like you've just so beautifully articulated. Um, I help leaders really be able to trust that flow in the context of decision-making because there comes a point where you allow yourself to be a vessel so that 
spirit, love, God, the universe can actually flow through you. And it's actually from there that we actually create something that's never been created before, right? Um, we're living in really extreme circumstances where the world is literally burning and falling apart. And the reality is that you can never solve the issues from the same level of consciousness that created it. What does that actually mean? You can't just use your head to be able to create solutions and develop something truly innovative, right? Like as an artist, as a creative yourself, if you're overthinking it, you're actually trying too hard. But it's actually through the context of allowing ourselves to actually be used as that vehicle that we're using both head and heart and are all of our ways of knowing that we're really going to create those truly innovative solutions that the world so desperately needs. Yeah, I mean, could we're at this point where I think, you know, a lot of logical thinking or profit-minded thinking without thinking about like all of the you know, what holistic thinking is what I've kind of was taught in, in college. I went to a liberal arts school called Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine. And oh, one yeah, of those yeah. colleges where, you, you know, he had blue book, exams, blue book exams, wasn't just multiple choice, very small class yeah. size, 15 kids, 20 kids in a class, can talk mm -hmm. to the professor, not a TA, actually sit down with the professor at, at his house and talk about Nietzsche at his house yeah. on his couch. You know, they, they, that causes you to go into things that you wouldn't if you're in a different type of uh, uh, place. If you're in a different type of schooling system where it seems more mechanical or it seems more, you know, not as connected and, and not as holistic because we were looking at like the whole big picture of, a, sure. of, of, a, of an idea or in a concept. And I think people don't put things together that way. They look at a narrow focus and they don't yeah. see what they're doing. And that's kind of why we're in the state we're in. The people didn't yeah. see what the consequences are to what they're doing. They thought it was isolated, thought it wouldn't mean anything. And then guess what? It means a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that, that's where we're living is with, oh, that now we have to put it together. It's like, yeah, you better put it together pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, I have a friend uh, named Ray Chow, and she likes to say, whole people create whole things, right? Meaning that when we allow ourselves to be whole in terms of mind, body, spirit, soul, when we acknowledge that we're past, present, and future, when we're using our full emotional range as a whole person, we're actually creating whole solutions, whole um, uh, complete, um, I don't know, integrative, uh, solutions that affect and impact people from top to bottom in and out, right? Because if we're only creating from our brain, we're only addressing that part of a person that is just a minutia of who they are. And we're only addressing a very small part of the system. So in order to actually come up with something that's really going to move the dial, we actually need to have healing that addresses the whole self. And that's why I'm in service towards leaders, right? Because I'm helping them be able to full, to sense into all of who they are so they can actually provide leadership from that place of wholeness. Yeah, I've been reading about like leaders and there were some statements I was looking at like a, like a job board. And people are saying, it's not all about the profit. It's not all about like how, how, how cold you can be to your employees to show that you're a tough person. It's like, it, there was this executive uh, that was talking about, I need to know that my employees, I have a, a, a like a conversation that I know them as people. I don't look at them yeah. as just another uh, a widget in a cube or on an assembly line and not understand the humanity of it. And I think when we start to like separate, then you get like the separation between the different levels in the workplace has gotten so extreme that, that it's like, how, how do you even relate to some of these people if they're not even considering what the actual employee does as valuable? If you only yeah. think the board is valuable, but the people who create your product, you you don't think they're valuable at all. You think they're very inexchangeable. They're like, you know, I can just replace them with a robot or a drone or AI. They don't think of them as people. 
And yeah. I think when you lose that kind of connection to any kind of morality or concept of what, like just because you can do it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you should do it. And just because it's profitable doesn't mean you should do it. And, and a lot of people say, well, if it's profitable, that means that's right. Just because it's profitable doesn't mean it's just. I think a lot of people may yeah. confuse, they confuse that and they don't understand what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. Employees are not mercenaries. Employees are human, right? You're, this is not hired guns. Uh, these are people. And, and I think that leaders know this, but sometimes they forget, right? I, one of my favorite things is like everything that I needed to learn in life, I, I learned in kindergarten, right? It's just a matter of like reminding people that they are a human and that this is possible. It's just a matter of we have choicefulness in being able to like make these decisions that are in line with what we know to be true. Yeah, because I mean, I was thinking about it like as a kid, I was a child of the 70s. I grew up with mm. like Mr. Rogers and, uh, you know, the his, his neighborhood. And the thing yeah, about yeah, people yeah. looking at, oh, that's silly, but you know, it's not really silly because of what he did, he treated children with respect. Absolutely. He, he treated children and he actually told them what was important to actually listen to them mm. and to listen to what they were concerned about and to allay people's fears and to let people know that he was going to be there and to give people some confidence and not make them feel like they're just out in the wilderness fighting tooth and nail, that they actually had support. And I, I think sometimes today we get into that rat race mentality that you got to be cold. That you have to be, you can't be like, oh, be my neighbor. Like, well, you know, what's that? That, that, that I don't want to do that. That shows I'm weak. It's like, and I don't, I think that there's a different aspect to, uh, you know, people, you know, coming together with some spirituality. Like, well, how does that fit into the profit margin? Well, if your people are more focused and happy, they're probably likely to be very creative. And if they're very creative, they're going to come out things out of the box. If they're stressed and they're burned out, how much creativity and innovation is going to come from stressed out, burned out people? Yeah. Probably not that much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, people are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And if you operate from that perspective and really allow, uh, people to feel empowered and to feel into that and to act from that central truth, like anything is possible. Like that is a transformational workforce. That's spirituality at play. Um, I think that, you know, people tend to segment spirituality as something that they do on the weekends or something that they do in the evenings. But the reality is that as, you know, this seems like a central theme of this conversation is that we're not separate and a part of we're actually fully integrated. And so any idea, any any concept that um, you can actually segment yourself is just a false narrative. And so the more that we can embrace our full selves, all of our ways of knowing, all of our spiritual selves, because you know spirit's always speaking to us, and actually infuse it into every facet of our lives, we actually become more congruent. We're actually like feeling like we can actually using our energies to our highest ability because you're constantly like living a life where you're feeling like you need to be a person, a different person, depending on the different circumstances that you're in. That takes a lot of energy. And it's just about being who you are consistently everywhere uh, and feeling like you have the safety and security to do so. Yeah, I found that, like, you know, I was, I'm a, I'm a, part of my day job is I'm a, I'm a software designer. Mm. And I used to be trying to work within big corporations. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to put that on the side because I was a road warrior, was always flying around, never home. And as I was burning me out, I said, you know what? I'm a musician, I'm a creator, I need to be home. So how can yeah. I still do this? And I went and I made a decision to actually do it in a consulting way where mm. I, now I, I can just totally work remote and I work with people all over the world, but I don't have to be on the plane, jumping around, jumping in Uber, jumping all over the place and get all stressed out. And I was super stressed. Now that stress is gone. they all the time from commuting I can put into my art. And so I yeah. feel better as a person because I was able to kind of thread a needle to find out like, well, I need something that's stable, like this, this career, 
in software mm-hmm. design, but I'm a very creative person. I want to f- try to find a way to do both. And I find a way to kind of merge both into who I am. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't always work for some people. Some people have to like let everything go and go to something. But I found a way to kind of balance it. And I found balance well, was good for me. Yeah. What I love about your story is that um, you created a lifestyle a life that was in alignment with your values. You know, our biggest co-creative act is actually the life that we're creating with the universe. Um, There's this, you know, thing um, about different levels of consciousness and people um, at the, at a base level are in sort of like a victim consciousness where it's almost like, oh, I'm powerless. I have no choice. My employer says like, I need to actually be constantly a road warrior that like I in order to like put food on my table I'm only um, I only have these limited sets of choices right before me but the reality is that we are empowered to make choices all the time in terms of how we view a certain situation how we respond to certain people um, the ability to actually have different choices and options you know even choosing to have a choice is a choice. Um, And that in itself is actually a spiritual act. And so what I love what you did was you're like, listen, what do I want? Where do I want to invest my time, spirit and energy? And actually creating with the universe and actually aligning that towards something that you have felt internally. For me, when I work with people, I'm kind of like helping them tune in. It's like, you've got that inner compass. Where is it pointing you? And you, and when I, from your story, what I hear from you is you're like, it's pointing me towards more creative acts. It's actually pointing me towards my artistry. How can I actually create a world where that's possible? And you did exactly that. So bravo you. Yeah. I mean, what I found is like art is so important to me. And, it, and mm. people, you know, get into the arts and people are like, well, does that make money? And it was never really about money. Like I do music, I do podcasting, I do this, these things in the creative space because it, it just makes me feel good. Yeah. And if it didn't make me feel good, I wouldn't do it. But it's like, it makes mm. me feel connected to a community. And the podcast, what I liked about it, I tried ones that were like uh, pre-scripted and controlled and highly edited and like well that's not me because i'm a freeform kind of jazz experimental musician and i like Mm. to play things that are really off the cuff you know when i play with people doing very experimental work that's not always like written on the page and Mm. so i I said well why don't i do that with the podcast because that's kind of what i do with music so i I call my my type of music expansive sound i said well i'm going to do my podcast in the same way be very expansive and be able to talk to all kinds of and not have, you know, have a thread of creativity through all of it and maybe use music to tie it together. But I mm-hmm. decided that I was like, I'm not going to be a narrow lane. I'm not going to try to control things. I'm going to let it kind of be what it is and do these free sure. form interviews. And, and it's worked in, in that, you know, I've been able to stay within a certain, we'll get within a level and get some attention and, 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 and grow in this, in this space. And it was not something I planned. It is kind of, I saw things that came to me and I didn't re- reject them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful metaphor for life, right? And also just a beautiful metaphor for the spiritual journey. I think that we have in speaking for myself, those with strong minds and an intellect and a desire to know and wanting to plan things a certain way, just going back to my three month quarter plan of project managing spirituality um there's a desire to just be like okay this is the narrow way that i'm only going to like have the world manifest in front of me the things that i'm planning for but as a jazz musician you know that there are so many other synchronicities and so many opportunities that are constantly asking for our attention and that we can build upon and what's really important is that Um, there, there's a little bit of fear, you know, whenever we're thinking of things that are kind of coming out of left field, but the trick is, um, to be able to recognize and act upon and actually help those opportunities grow. We've got to be present, like exquisitely present and grounded in this particular moment. And I'm sure that you found that when you're playing jazz, 
like if you're constantly anticipating what the next note is going to be, you're actually going to be behind. Right. But it's yeah, only yeah. when you're actually like here in the now, because that you're able to actually have true creation. And so when I tell people, okay, like if they're interested in spirituality and they're just like, how do I begin? Like, where do I actually start? And I say, it really just like starts with like being where you are and like taking each breath and like being exquisitely present. One of the things that I say to people is like, allow yourself to go out into nature and be God smacked. You know, allow yourself to be in awe and wonder, because when you're in those moments of deep appreciation and wonder, you're absolutely in the present moment. And that's when things open up. And that's when creativity and inspiration actually flow. Yeah, I'm in the great state of New Hampshire, and we have like the tall pines. And I'm mm. a big believer of, uh, you know, uh, nature is the cathedral, which is like a Victorian yeah. poet's statement about yeah, yeah, yeah. being out in nature and i was i was very much uh inspired initially when i got into music by the victorian poets like blake wordsworth tennyson lord byron and sure. their and their kind of connection to like nature in the victorian age and then the, the the levels of uh masking they did in their work but they were all trying to get at truths you know in terms of like looking glass self and these ideas that they had about connecting the you know spirituality and nature and god and you know the you know self-reflection which is what mm. most artists always do they, you go inside and then you go outside and you kind of you find you know the, the commonalities between the inner and the outer the yin and the yang the positive and the negative and you kind of explore the duality in things and try to try to mm -hmm. figure out how you're gonna 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 relay that to your audience with your own spin on it and usually you're, you're, you're coming from a place of like, there's all these people who have come before you, but you, you're inspired by all these great people, but you have your own voice. A lot of yeah. people today like to clone, or they like the copy, or they like the sample, or they like the AI to do it for them, and they don't, and they're mm -hmm. kind of masking their inner voice. It's like, to me, mm -hmm. like the, the inner voice of the artist or the creator is something very human and authentic. And, yeah. and if you go and you clone somebody else, well, they that's just them. And you might get a million views on it or a million plays on it, but was it really you? Or are you just trying yeah. to, you know, front that it's you in, inside? And so people are scared yeah, yeah, of yeah. being authentic. That, yeah. that is how you really you know, progress. Is the fear of like showing yourself to be who you really are, that can be scary because then you're going to get criticized and they're going to take it personal because that is you. And so you try to hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like an artist, in, we try to go beyond that. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, in spirituality, there's this concept of the false self and then the true self, right? The false self is that presentable, uh, very polished, accepted, because we're all yearning for belonging. This is really about a security and safety issue, as you've pointed out. But over time, that sort of like weightiness of like the false self, it, it just feels out of integrity. And I think for those who of us who have dared to say, oh, there's actually something beneath, something's just desiring to come through. That's my true self, the part that's authentic and pure and light. And that is like full of audacity and is desiring for expression, right? To allow that to come through does require vulnerability. Let's be, let's be honest about that. And at the same time, the reward is freedom. The reward is freedom because we allow ourselves to be the, the truest expression of our soul. And when people are in alignment with that, that's when they feel on purpose. That's when they feel on fire because that's our unique contribution to the world. You know, you talk about copying other people, like that's already been done. That's something that another person is supposed to like offer the world. But for all of us, for, for humanity to be able to evolve, for consciousness to, to um, reach higher uh, states of awareness, we all must be able to tap into our true selves 
and offer our unique contribution. There's no way else that we're going to get there. We've got to tap into the purest part of who we are and then have the courage to be able to express that unapologetically. Yeah, that's a big fear I have, you know, in the technology area is people are so into this AI and AI just does all this learning on mm -hmm. everything that's already exists. Mm -hmm. And so then what you get is an amalgamation of stuff that already was. Yeah. Which I guess it can become something new, but a lot of times it's just pulling from something and it's really not that original. So mm -hmm. so the idea is like if you, if you, and it may seem like it's original because it just kind of is amalgamation of existing things, but it's not really you. It's mm. something that you had the machine pull. Mm. And I think that, I think if you use something like AI as a calculator, as an assistant to help you do part of your work, but it's not 90% of what you did. But mm. I think the problem is when it's 90% of your work and, it's, and it doesn't really represent you, I think that becomes a problem for humanity because then people aren't really being themselves. Mm. They're just taking this tool and, and it, it, I, I'm scared of that in terms of what it does to authenticity and honesty mm. uh, in, 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 in the creative space. And, yeah. and creative spaces are so powerful. If you think about the Beatles, how many people did they inspire with what they did? They inspired filmmakers, musicians, scientists, all kinds of people were just totally mm. enamored with what they did. And they... But if that was just something that was AI came up with, it would that be as inspiring? I I, I just don't think so. Um, so mm -hmm. I think I, I'm kind of worried about the future of of humanity if people let the machine take over. It's like the science fiction fiction nightmare of of like how, how much of that is real and how much of it is just Memorex. <laughs> yeah, in my view, yeah. AI will be a reflection of humanity in terms of um reflecting our um most beautiful assets and then also amplify our flaws um i think that everything has a consciousness and right now ai is just yearning for shepherding yearning for guidance and if we're intending to use this as a force for good it will be a force of good and if we actually use it as an agent for otherwise it will be that but we have choice right now. And as you know, spoken earlier, we're not a victim to circumstance. We have, we have the ability to shift things if we want to be in alignment with the highest good for all. And I do believe that AI has that potential. Yeah, there's a lot of good. It just kind of depends on who, who gets the control over, like, you know, the, you know, humanity has to make choices. And we hope that exactly. people, you know, the, the, the greater angels actually take take hold and it doesn't do the dystopian stuff like throwing millions of people out of work and at a speed that never been happened that never happened and not caring about what it does you know and so for all the good things it does with medicine and, and, and technology and solving all kinds of crises and get rid of gridlock and making things more efficient yeah i can see tons of things where it could actually feed people it could mm. feed your your body, your mind, and your soul. It could make the you know the agriculture more efficient. You know, the ability to do things that you didn't have to do anymore. Now you can become more in the headspace. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that future is great. But you know, there's also the other things. If you don't, if you let certain people take take too much control, and I think mm. that everybody has a certain level of control. And I think that's where leadership. You know, have this idea of spirituality and leadership is very important. Because if the common denominator is this power, if it's this money, and it's this you know control, then they, sometimes the greater angels aren't going to be there. <laughs> well, everything has a consciousness. Um, everything is neutral until we assign something and energy towards it. Um, and again, um, money has a whole heck of a lot of things to say um, to us. Power has a whole heck of a lot of things to say to us. It's just a matter of what do we want to do with it? And are we willing to listen? And are we willing to work in co-creation with it for the betterment of humanity? Um, I do believe that uh, people are good. And I do believe that we're actually evolving towards a very positive future. Um, and at the same time, as mentioned before, you know, we are a species that only tends to like awaken when traumatic things happen. 
And so right now, I do believe it's both some of the most difficult times of all humanity, as well as the most optimistic, because a lot of people are becoming conscious to the fact that they can be choiceful to live life differently and to be more caring and compassionate with others. The thing about uh, traumatic circumstances is that not only do you develop like a deep sense of what it means to like be in pain, but it offers like connectivity towards others in a way that you can be compassionate and empathetic like you've never been before. Right. There was one point where I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been through stuff like I've, I've had a difficult blah, 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 blah. But it actually wasn't until my accident that I was like, wow, this sucks. And actually through my experience um, was able to more deeply understand what the human experience is. And that gives me a felt sense to be able to connect in with others in a deeper, truer, more appreciative way. Right. It's not to like bond over trauma, but it's more of uh, the ability to be like, hey, I see you. I, I know the circumstances that you're in. And by the way, like there's a way out of here. So I do believe that pain has a way of also awakening us to our connectivity with one another. So I would wonder, like in, the, in terms of emerging trends with spiritual leadership in that space, um, are you finding that executives in spaces that maybe weren't really looking at spirituality as anything they wanted to get into are actually more open to it and maybe you can give examples? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the, the, the thing du jour right now is, you know, like CEOs getting into psychedelics, like wanting some sort of like transformational uh, experience. This is not like a new thing. Um, there have been Plenty of examples of Silicon Valley executives um, desiring to like microdose to be able to not only come up with transcendent ideas or to be able to like concentrate so they can actually uh, make movement um, on their work in a very efficient manner. Um, I'm I'm if 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 psychedelics or if uh, certain you know other things are are your deal, that's that's fine by me. Um, but the message that I want to share with people and what I'm teaching and what I'm noticing is that leaders are less reliant on those external things and that they can actually connect directly into source on demand. I think that there's this concept that you actually need some sort of like facilitator, whether it be a shaman or a priest or or someone, right, to be able to translate mm -hmm. and channel these messages to you. But the, the, the truth and the reality is that each one of us is uh, a divinely created instrument and naturally attuned to source. We are constantly in alignment with the greater thing that is. And you don't need mushrooms. You don't need LSD. You don't need uh, ayahuasca to be able to shortcut your way through that. Um, I know that that can be controversial, <laughs> uh, considering that there are so many people yeah. who are uh, practitioners in that space. Yeah. But it gives the false impression that you need someone or something to tune it's in terrible. when the it's reality is, is exactly when we're naturally attuned and we have the skill set. So if I'm seeing a trend, it's actually executives, leaders, people, frankly, in general, who are just like, listen, I don't need an intermediary. Like I myself am that instrument. Spirit is speaking to me all the time. I am divine. I am created from source. So therefore I'm naturally attuned to source. Um, and then to be able to use that inner wisdom, all of our ways of knowing to not only apply it to our personal lives, but actually apply it to business decisions, to be able to make wise decisions from a place of wholeheartedness. And so I assist leaders in guiding them to be able to do uh, strategy, vision, planning, marketing, all of those things to really move the dial on their organization because they're actually attuned directly to source and they're not relying on a mushroom to be able to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as an artist, I mean, I, there was this time, you know, I, I'm a child of the 70s and everybody thought you had to need external things. But I've always sure. been the type of artist that I never felt I needed that because mm. I felt like I could just connect and it's about like 
kind of t- taking the, the walls away. They're taking yeah. those, uh, the ceilings away. And, yeah. and it's really trusting yourself and kind of remapping your brain. Because if you've been taught that you can't connect, right? If you've been taught that you can't be, you can't just do improvisation, that you don't know what to do. But you never yeah. tried it, right? You never, it's like I've, I talked to somebody that never did painting. And they were like, well, I don't know how to hold a brush and I don't know how to mix the paint. Well, you know what? Just kind of get into it and just start. That's what I yeah. did with my synthesizers. I'm a synthesizer player. I didn't know how to use a mode. I got mm-hmm. one and then I had it and I just played with it in, in, a, in a very experimental kind of childlike way. Like, what is this? I didn't even read the manual. I said, what does this do? What does this do? And just explored it to find out yeah. what it could do and what it couldn't do. And not read about it, not try to be logical about it. Say, like, what is it? What sound happens if I do this? What yeah. happens if I hold my fingers and I touch this thing and I hit this pedal? What happens? And so if, if you get curious, I think curiosity, human curiosity, sure. when you're a kid, you're very, very curious. But if you're an adult, they tell you to kind of tamp it down. What I yeah. find is whether with the creative people I hang out with is we don't tamp that down. We, we, we're mm. still very childlike in our curiosity, which is mm-hmm. not, it could be some people could perceive that as a problem. But in in the space of trying to be a, a creative person, it's not a problem. It's like that's yeah. that's actually where you need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because curiosity is a posture of openness and receptivity. And if you come up with the uh, assumption that spirit is always talking to you, all you need to do is being like open and receptive to the messages, right? And then to your point, experiment. So you receive this ping from the universe. Okay, act on it, see what happens. And then from there, there's another sort of like ping, act on it, see what happens. And the thing is, is that over time, you're going to develop a language, you're going to develop a certain skill set to be able to decipher these messages uh, more efficiently and more effectively. But it starts with a willingness and an openness, much in the same way that I pray to God in the way that I had never prayed before. And I was like, I am just here and I just am willing and open. And with that posture of sincerity and openness, the floodgates open. And so um, I invite anyone who's listening to this, like if you want to develop that closer relationship, good on you. And like wanting to affirm you're already there. You're actually naturally connected. So you're a walking, living, breathing antenna. It's just a matter of being able to uh, act on the pings that uh, the universe is providing you and just see what happens. Do you find that people want to do this, but they're kind of scared to come out of the closet of, of spirituality, kind of keeping it inside and concerned about their outward appearance of it? Uh, do you do you have to work with people? Or are they already, when they come to you, are they already in the space where they're they're ready to embrace it? Totally. 99% of the people that I uh, interact with are completely in the closet or like super scared of wanting to claim this part of who they are. Um, There's many stories of of why people come into this space, but a lot of the people that I interact with are really afraid because they think that they need to sacrifice their brain in order to be connected. And there's almost this thing of like, I'm going to be seen as, I'm gonna be seen as the goofball. I'm gonna be seen as the irrational leader. I'm gonna be seen as the unstable one. Um, And frankly, for me, there was like a part of me that was like, I'm gonna be seen as those erratic hippies, you know? Like I'm I'm like, I'm gonna lose my grounding, you know? And, and frankly, I just didn't want to be taken for a fool. There was part mm-hmm. of me that was just like, some, I don't want like some charlatan to like take away my agency, you know, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, is that we all have free will. We all have choicefulness. If anything, spirituality is an empowerment to more choicefulness. And you don't need to sacrifice your brain. You're actually just opening up your other ways of knowing so that the decisions that you're making are holistic. So for anyone who is reticent, about stepping out of the closet, um, I just want to say, I see you, I know you, I understand you. And at the same time, I really want to encourage you to really embrace all of who you are. Because again, this is a natural part of your being. And we need more embodied leaders 
who are embracing all of who they are, because when you give yourself full permission to show up in your brightness and in your greatness, you give permission for others to do the same. Yeah, I think it would just inspire employees to get more in tune. You know, it seems like like when you have a leader that's a very dynamic leader in an organization and you feel like they understand you and you feel like you're all pulling together. You know, yeah. you feel like I've been in like startups where we're very dynamic people and we're pulling the hours because we believe in what they want to do, right? We believe yeah. in the dream of what they're trying to do. So when you're trying to build something, and the thing about, I loved about software and people say, well, how is that created? Well, it's kind of like, like we're making a song. A lot of times we build stuff that never existed and we have to believe in what we're doing and we don't really have total roadmap because we're building something that doesn't exist so we're building mm. new tech and so that's a, like you're going into this area where there's a lot of unknowns there's a lot of fear you can't really map out what you did before you try to say well maybe it's like this maybe it's like that and and i thought it, I, I found a way to kind of have my left and right brain you know be in the same space and i think that's yeah. where you get that sweet spot where you can get an organization that's very creative but it's logical too. It kind of gets back to this kind of, you know, are you a Renaissance person? The person that mixes like art, history, and science all at once mm. with spirituality. And so then yeah. you have something that is like, wow, this thing feels like it's very, it's not just some, uh, another, uh, uh, you know, just widget. It feels like this is an authentic thing that feels like it's real. And you're like, wow, yeah. they, these people really put a lot of work into this. It feels interesting. It feels unique. It feels like it talks to me. I think that, that's where yeah. I think the future is, where people can be very expressive and have a lot of individuality in the future of a lot of things that are going to be, you know, services and products, because they can be very customized to individuals and actually yeah. speak to people. And not just a yeah. product, but services and talking to people, you know, people who are brands. Like, you know, people create a brand and then they, they're a life coach or they're a mentor and then they actually affect people and what they're doing is their life work and that's their mm. new job. And it actually, their service is actually helping people. So that's kind mm. of a different mindset than it's like, oh, it's not this product A and, you know, it, 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 it's actually a service that feels like a human being is, is talking to you and it feels, yeah. you know, is that really Service, but that's actually yeah it is but it's something beyond just a product <laughs> yeah well you know what i love what you're saying is um this fundamental thing that i know to be true is that um people can feel energy and energy translates end to end so what do i mean by that if you're actually creating that software from a place of love wholeness inclusivity uh you're pouring your heart into it you're creating it because you love your team members and because you're inspired by the vision when the client when the end user receives and is on the receiving end of that they can feel that people can feel that you know whether or not it's something that explicit like implicitly we can feel that in the resonance of our being it's just again it's the way that we're naturally attuned, the way that we're connected. And so when, you know, we're working with corporations and people are saying, oh, I'm just making another cereal box. Actually, it's not just a natural cereal box. It's a way that you're nourishing people. It's a way that you're expressing love to people. And so if you're infusing it with love, people will receive love. If you're infusing it with something else, people will receive that. And so, um, that's the message also that I want to bring to people is that intentionality matters from top to bottom, from product to end user. And, you know, like where people aren't dummies, you know, whether or not they cognitively get it, their hearts and their whole beingness will feel it. And so the, the intentionality with which we begin things is which will, it will be received. I think it's a great way to, you know, because a lot of people would think about like the time when everything was hand built mm. and there was a lot of intentionality and custom artisans. But custom now you still have, yeah, and people felt like, well, I'm proud to have this, this, this yeah. piece of work because it's like this was like a hand built thing. It's very unique. It kind of just for, it feels like it's very much like individual, individually built for you. 
And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of times today there's, there's stuff that happens like that now. I mean, there's a lot of capabilities today where people can build things and, and they're very unique for them. They, mm. they, they get feeling that and they get, they, they get, you know, tied to an object. Like oh, they explained it. Like I have a synthesizer called a Moog and they're hand built and it's a machine. It's a, but it's mm. hand built by human beings and each one doesn't sound the same as the next one. It's not like digital stuff that everything cool. is the same, right? These nice. things actually differ any on the same model line that if it's built on a different day, it sounds different than the next one. It's kind of like a guitar mm. or mm. violin different. And, and to have something like that in a modern world and you're like, wow, it feels like every time I use it, I feel like connected to it. And the, the guy who built it, Bob Moog, a doctor Moog, he felt he actually had a quote saying he felt his synthesizers had a consciousness. Yes, absolutely. This is an engineer, an electrical engineer. When he wrote, when yeah. he built his synths, he felt like they had a consciousness. And then all the artists that use them say, yeah, these things feel like they're they're like it's a mechanical thing, but it feels like alive. a Stradivarius or it feels, feels like it's alive. Sure. And you're like, yeah. why does it feel like that? Because there's energy in it. <laughs> it's yeah. like electricity. We're electricity. So it's like I felt like connected to these things, and that's what I'm into. You know, I'm into that type of electronic music with these type of machines. But I feel very connected, like they're members of my band. Yeah. I felt like they talked to me, and people are like, "Well, that's kind of weird." It's like, "Well, that's what it is." <laughs> no, everything has a consciousness. Your business has a consciousness. This podcast has a consciousness. Your uh, ma machinery has a consciousness. And so if we're in constant communication with source and if source is in everything and in everyone, we can actually hear what they have to say and actually be in dialogue. And that's actually an act of co-creation as well, right? Because, you know, all these things are in benefit of actually creating and expressing love in the world. And to the extent that we're both willing to ask those questions and being receptive to be in co-creation with that, that's when we create magic. That's when we actually shift and change. Well, I, ho I hope the world is getting less resistant to these ideas and not putting like the hippie tag on it. Cause then that kind of denigrates because some people have these ideas, like as soon as you label something and somebody wants to, to push it down or say, you know, degrade it or be a hater on it. And I just think, you know, what I've done with this show is, is I try to talk to as many people as I can to have different mm. points of view and mm. different uh, uh, talents to bring to the world and let the audience just hear it without any kind of judgment and make a, a choice. It's like, do, you know, do you want to check it out? Go check it out further. And, and you know dive into it and uh you know in that vein you know asking people to go to click on your on your link again to get a deeper dive and to actually work with you and connect and, and, and set up an appointment right that's what happens if they click on that yeah yeah so you go ahead you fill out the application set up an appointment um and i serve in three ways um I serve by channeling God's spirit source. So being able to be a vehicle for divine wisdom. Um, as mentioned, I really want people to be able to tune into their own inner system. So I use coaching techniques so that they can be able to decipher the wisdom themselves and to be able to take action on what came through. And the third way I serve is actually by teaching people skill sets, like solid, practical, habits and skill sets so that they can be able to decipher these messages directly because I don't want people to be reliant on me. I want to spread the message that everyone right. is of source and that they can be able to communicate directly without an intermediary. So your goal is like they won't need you a hundred percent to be there as their guide for the rest of the journey that you're going to teach them how to do it and then they'll eventually be able to do it on their own. I'm here to empower what is innately your gifts already. I'm just here to uncover what you know and for you to be able to remember how to do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's an awesome thing because a lot of times some people might be reluctant to go to somebody that wants to, to be there for the next 10 years, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, so, you know, if, if, if it just feels really authentic that you're coming to this with a spiritual mindset that is uh, very positive and I'm, I'm happy to bring that to our audience and I hope that people will explore uh, uh, checking out 
what you have to offer. And I, I want to thank you for, again for being on the podcast tonight. No, oh, I appreciate you and I appreciate this opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you so much for providing such an openness um, to be able to explore things in a non-judgmental, non-binary, um, open and creative way. Well, thank you. Have a great night. And uh, again, this will be available on multiple platforms. We're almost everywhere where podcasts can be heard or, or viewed. We do provide a landing page by tomorrow to all of our guests. And so you will get a landing page for this episode and it'll be, people will be able to choose which platform they like to watch or listen to podcast on. And we'll give that to you um, by tomorrow. But thank you again for being Super on the show. Cool. Awesome. Great to be here. Thanks so much.